Part two of The Young Visitors, or Mr. Saltina's Plan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 7 Bernard's Idea After Mr. Saltina had departed, Bernard Clark thought he would show Ethel over his house, so they spent a merry morning so doing. Ethel passed bright remarks on all the rooms, and Bernard thought she was most pretty, and Ethel began to be a bit excited. After a lovely lunch, they sat in the gloomy hall, and Ethel began to feel very glad Mr. Saltina was not there. Suddenly, Bernard lit his pipe. I was thinking, he said passionately, what about going up to London for a few weeks' gaiety? Who? inquired Ethel, in a low tone. You and me, said Bernard. I know of several splendid hotels, and we could go to theatres and parties and enjoy ourselves to the full. So we could. What an idea! cried Ethel. So the merry plan was all arranged and they spent the afternoon in packing their trunks. Next day they were already in the hall when the handsome vehicle once more clattered up. Ethel had on her blue velvet get-up and a sweet new hat and plenty of rouge on her face, and looked quite a seemly counterpart for Bernard, who was arrayed in a white and shiny mackintosh, top boots, and a well-brushed top-hat tied on to him with a bit of black elastic. "'Well, good-bye, Minute,' he cried to the sombre butler. "'Take care of your gout and the silver, and I will pay your wages when I come back.' "'Thank you kindly, sir,' murmured Minute. "'When may I expect your return?' "'Oh, well, I will wire,' he said, and dashed down the steps. Ethel followed with small ladylike steps, having bowed politely to Minute, who closed his eyes in acknowledgment of her kindness. The sun was shining, and Ethel had the feeling of going to a very jolly party, and felt so sorry for all the passers-by who were not going to London with Bernard. Arrived in the gay city, Bernard hailed a cab to the manor born, and got in, followed by Ethel. "'Kindly drive us to the Gaiety Hotel,' he cried in a firm tone. The cabman waved his whip, and off they dashed. "'We shall be highly comfortable and select at the Gaiety,' said Bernard, and he thought to himself how lovely it would be if he was married to Ethel. He blushed a deep shade at his own thoughts, and gave a sidelong glance at Ethel, who was gazing out of the window. "'Well, one never knows,' he murmured to himself, and as one of the poets says, "'Great events from trivial causes springs.' Just when they stopped at the gay hotel, and Ethel was spellbound at the sight of the big hall, Bernard poked his head into the window of the pay-desk. "'Have you a couple of bedrooms for self and young lady?' he inquired in a lordly way. A very handsome lady with golden hair and a lace apron glanced at a book and hastily replied, "'Oh, yes, sir, two beauties on the first floor, number nine and ten. "'Thank you,' said Bernard. We will go up if you have no objection. 
none whatsoever sir said the genial lady the beds are well aired and the view is quite pleasant come along ethel cried bernard this sounds all right eh oh quite said ethel with a beaming smile they went upstairs and entered number nine a very fine compartment with a large downy bed and white doors with glass handles leading into number ten an equally dainty room but a trifle smaller which will you have ethel asked bernard oh well i would rather you settled it said ethel i am willing to abide by your choice the best shall be yours then said bernard bowing gallantly and pointing to the biggest room ethel blushed at his speaking look i shall be quite lost in that huge bed she added to hide her embarrassment yes i expect you will said bernard and now what about a little table d'hote followed by a theatre oh yes cried ethel and downstairs they went end of chapter chapter eight a gay call i tell you what ethel said bernard clark about a week later we might go and pay a call on my pal the earl of clincham oh do let's cried ethel who was game for any new adventure i would dearly love to meet his lordship bernard gave a frown of jealousy at her rather mere words well dress in your best he muttered ethel skipped into her bedroom and arrayed herself in a grass-green muslin of decent cut a lace scarf long fawn-colored kid gloves and a muslin hat to correspond she carried a parasol in one hand also a green silk bag containing a few stray hairpins a clean handkerchief five shillings and a pot of rouge in case she looked a dainty vision with her fair hair waving in the breeze and bernard bit his lips rather hard for he could hardly contain himself and felt he must marry ethel soon he looked a handsome sight himself in some exquisite white trousers with a silk shirt and a pale blue blazer belt and cap he wore this in honor of the earl who had been to cambridge in his youth and so had bernard clark at last they found themselves in the entrance hall of the crystal palace and speedily made their way to the private compartments edward procurio was walking up and down the passage looking dark and mysterious as usual is his lordship at home cried bernard clark cheerily which one asked procurio many lords live here he said scornfully well i mean the earl of clincham said bernard oh yes he is in responded procurio and to the best of my belief giving a party indeed ejaculated bernard we have come in the nick of time ethel he added yes said ethel in an excited tone then they pealed on the bell and the door flew open sounds of laughter and comic songs issued from the abode and in a second they were in the crowded drawing-room it was packed with all the elite and a stout duchess with a good-natured face was singing a lively song and causing much merriment the earl strode forward at sight of the two newcomers hello bernard old boy he cried this is a pleasure and who have you got with you he added glancing at ethel oh this is miss montague said bernard shall i introduce you if you will be so good said the earl in an affable tone and bernard hastily performed the rite 
Ethel began a bright conversation while Bernard strolled off to see if he could find any friends amid the throng. What pleasant compartments you have, cried Ethel in rather a society tone. Fairly so-so, responded the earl. Do you live in London, he added in a loud tone, as someone was playing a very difficult piece on the piano. Well, no, I don't, said Ethel. My home is really in Northumberland, but I am at present stopping with Mr. Clark at the Gaiety Hotel, she continued in a somewhat showing-off tone. Oh, I see, said the earl. Well, shall I introduce you to a few of my friends? Oh, please do, said Ethel, with a dainty blow at her nose. The earl disappeared into the madding crowd, and presently came back with a middle-aged gentleman. This is Lord Hyssops, he said. My friend, Miss Montague, he added genially. Ethel turned a dull yellow. Lord Hyssops, she said in a faint voice. Why, it is Mr. Saltina. I know him well. Hush, cried the earl. It is a title bestowed recently by my friend, the Prince of Wales. Yes, indeed, murmured Mr. Saltina, deeply flabbergasted by the ready wit of the Earl. Oh, indeed, said Ethel in a peevish tone. Well, how do you come to be here? I am stopping with his lordship, said Mr. Saltina, and have a set of compartments in the basement, so there. I don't care, said Huffy Ethel. I am in handsome rooms at the Gaiety. Nothing could be nicer, I am sure, struck in the Earl. What do you say, Hyssops, eh? Doubtless it is charming, said Mr. Saltina, who was wanting peace. Tell me, Ethel, how do you leave Bernard? I have not left him, said Ethel, in an annoying voice. I am stopping with him at the Gaiety, and we have been to lots of theatres and dances. Well, I am glad you are enjoying yourself, said Mr. Saltina kindly. You had been looking pale of late. No wonder in your stuffy domain, cried Ethel. Well, have you got any more friends? she added, turning to the earl. Well, I will see, said the obliging earl, and he once more disappeared. I don't know why you should turn against me, Ethel, said Mr. Saltina in a low tone. Ethel patted her hair and looked very sneery. Well, I called it very mysterious. You going off and getting a title, said Ethel and I think our friendship had better stop, as no doubt you will soon be marrying a duchess or something. Not at all, said Mr. Saltina. You must know, Ethel, he said, blushing a deep red. I always wished to marry you some fine day. This is news to me, cried Ethel, still peevish. But not to me, murmured Mr. Saltina, and his voice trembled in his chest. I may add that I have always loved you, and now I seem to do so madly, he added passionately. But I don't love you, responded Ethel. But if you married me, you might get to, said Mr. Saltina. I think not, replied Ethel. And all the same, it is very kind of you to ask me. And she smiled more nicely at him. This is agony, cried Mr. Saltina clutching hold of a table. My life will be sour grapes and ashes without you. Be a man, said Ethel in a gentle whisper, and I shall always think of you in a warm manner. Well, half a loaf is better than no bread, responded Mr. Saltina in a gloomy voice. And just then the Earl reappeared with a very brisk lady 
in a tight silk dress whose name was called Lady Gay Finchling, and her husband was a general, but he had been dead a few years. So this is Miss Montague, she began in a rather high voice. Oh, yes, said Ethel, and Mr. Saltina wiped the foaming dew from his forehead. Little did Lady Gay Finchling guess she had just disturbed a proposal of marriage. The Earl chimed into the conversation now and again, and Lady Gay Finchling told several rather witty stories to enliven the party. Then Bernard Clark came up and said they had better be going. Well, good-bye, Clincham, he said. I must say I have enjoyed this party most richauffee, I call it, don't you, Ethel? Most, cried Ethel. I suppose you often come, she added in a tone of envy to Lady Gay Finchling. Pretty often, said Lady G.F. Well, good-bye, as I see you are in a hurry to be off, and she dashed off towards the refreshment place. Good-bye, Ethel, said poor Mr. Saltina in a spasm, and he seized hold of her hand. You will one day rue your wicked words. Farewell, he repeated emphatically. Oh, well, good-bye, said Ethel in a vague tone, and then turning to the Earl, she said, I have enjoyed myself very much, thank you. Please don't mention it, cried the earl. Well, good-bye, Bernard, he added. I shall look you up some day at your hotel. Yes, do, muttered Bernard. Always welcome, Clincham, old boy, he added, placing his blue cricket cap on his head. And so saying, he and Ethel left the gay scene, and once more oozed forth into the streets of London. End of chapter Chapter 9 A Proposal Next morning, while imbibing his morning tea beneath his pink silken quilt, Bernard decided he must marry Ethel with no more delay. I love the girl, he said to himself, and she must be mine, but I somehow feel I cannot propose in London. It would not be seemly in the city of London. We must go for a day in the country, and when surrounded by the gay twitterings of the birds and the smell of the cows, I will lay my suit at her feet. And he waved his arm wildly at the gay thought. Then he sprang from bed and gave a rat-tat at Ethel's door. Are you up, my dear? he called. Well, not quite, said Ethel hastily, jumping from her downy nest. Be quick, cried Bernard. I have a plan to spend a day near Windsor Castle, and we will take our lunch and spend a happy day. Oh, hurrah! shouted Ethel. I shall soon be ready, as I had my bath last night, so won't wash very much now. No, don't, said Bernard, and added in a rather fervent tone through the chink of the door. You are fresher than the rose, my dear. No soap could make you fairer. Then he dashed off, very embarrassed, to dress. Ethel blushed and felt a bit excited as she heard the words, and she put on a new white muslin dress in a fit of high spirits. She looked very beautiful with some roses in her hat, and the dainty red rouge on her cheeks looked quite the thing. Bernard heaved a sigh, and his eyes flashed as he beheld her, and Ethel thought to herself, what a fine type of manhood he represented, with his nice thin legs in pale brown trousers, and well-fitting spats, and a red rose in his buttonhole, and rather a sporting cap, which gave him a great air with its quaint check and little flaps to pull down if necessary. 
off they started the envy of all the waiters they arrived at windsor very hot from the journey and bernard at once hired a boat to row his beloved up the river ethel could not row but she much enjoyed seeing the tough sunburnt arms of bernard tugging at the oars as she lay among the rich cushions of the dainty boat she had a rather lazy nature but bernard did not know of this however he soon got dog tired and suggested lunch by the mossy bank oh yes said ethel quickly opening the sparkling champagne don't spill any cried bernard as he carved some chicken they ate and drank deeply of the charming viands ending up with meringues and chocolates let us now bask under the spreading trees said bernard in a passionate tone oh yes let's said ethel and she opened her dainty parasol and sank down upon the long green grass she closed her eyes but she was far from asleep bernard sat beside her in profound silence gazing at her pink face and long wavy eyelashes he puffed at his pipe for some moments while the larks gaily caroled in the blue sky then he edged a trifle closer to ethel's form ethel he murmured in a trembly voice oh what is it said ethel hastily sitting up words fail me ejaculated bernard hoarsely my passion for you is intense he added fervently it has grown day and night since i first beheld you oh said ethel in surprise i am not prepared for this and she leant back against the trunk of the tree bernard placed one arm tightly round her when will you marry me ethel he uttered you must be my wife it has come to that and i love you so intensely that if you say no i shall perforce dash my body to the brink of yon muddy river he panted wildly oh don't do that implored ethel breathing rather hard then say you love me he cried oh bernard she sighed fervently i certainly love you madly you are to me like a heathen god she cried looking at his manly form and handsome flashing face i will indeed marry you how soon gasped bernard gazing at her intensely as soon as possible said ethel gently closing her eyes my darling whispered bernard and he seized her in his arms we will be married next week oh bernard muttered ethel this is so sudden no no cried bernard and taking the bull by both horns he kissed her violently on her dainty face my bride-to-be he murmured several times ethel trembled with joy as she heard the mystic words oh bernard she said little did i ever dream of such as this and she suddenly fainted into his outstretched arms oh i say gasped bernard and laying the dainty burden on the grass he dashed to the water's edge and got a cup full of the fragrant river to pour on his true love's pallid brow she soon came to and looked up with a sickly smile take me back to the gaiety hotel she whispered faintly with pleasure my darling said bernard i will just pack up our viands ere i unloose the boat ethel felt better after a few drops of champagne 
and began to tidy her hair while Bernard packed the remains of the food. Then, arm in arm, they tottered to the boat. "'I trust you have not got an illness, my darling,' murmured Bernard as he helped her in. "'Oh, no, I am very strong,' said Ethel. "'I fainted from joy,' she added to explain matters. "'Oh, I see,' said Bernard, handing her a cushion. "'Well, some people do,' he added kindly and so saying they rode down the dark stream now flowing silently beneath a golden moon all was silent as the lovers glided home with joy in their hearts and radiance on their faces only the sounds of the mysterious water lapping against the frail vessel broke the monotony of the night so i will end my chapter end of chapter chapter 10 preparing for the fray. The next few days were indeed busy for Ethel and Bernard. First of all, Ethel got some dainty pink notepaper with silver crest on it, and sent out invitations in the following terms to all their friends. Miss Ethel Montague will be married to Mr. Bernard Clark at Westminster Abbey on June 10th. Your company is requested there at 2.30 sharp, and afterwards, for refreshments, at the Gaiety Hotel. RSVP. Having posted heaps of these and got several replies, Ethel began to order her wedding dress, which cost a good bit. She chose a rich satin with a humped pattern of gold on the pure white, and it had a long train edged with arum lilies. Her veil was of pure lace with a crown of orange blossom. Her bouquet she ordered to be of white dog daisies, St. Joseph lilies, and orange blossoms, tied up with pale blue satin ribbon. "'You will indeed be a charming spectacle, my darling,' gasped Bernard as they left the shop. Then they drove to the tailor where Bernard ordered an elegant black suit with coat-tails lined with crimson satin and a pale lavender tie and an opera hat of the same hue and he intended to wear violets in his buttonholes, also his best white spats, diamond studs, and a few extras of costly air. They both ordered a lot of new clothes besides, and Bernard gave Ethel a very huge tiara made of rubies and diamonds, also two rich bracelets, and Ethel gave him a brand new trunk of shiny green leather. The Earl of Clincham sent a charming gift of some hem-stitched sheets edged with real lace, and a photo of himself in a striking attitude. Mr. Saltina sent Ethel a Bible and a few pious words of advice and regret, and he sent Bernard a very handy little camp-stool. Ethel's parents were too poor to come so far, but her mother sent a gold watch which did not go, but had been some years in the family and her father provided a cheque for two pounds, and promised to send her a darling little baby calf when ready. Then they ordered the most splendid refreshments. They had tea and coffee and sparkling wines to drink, also a lovely wedding cake of great height, with a sugar angel at the top, holding a sword made of almond paste. They had countless cakes besides, also ices, jelly, meringues, jam tarts with plenty of jam on each, some cold tongue, some ham with salad, 
and a pig's head done up in a wondrous manner. Ethel could hardly contain herself as she gazed at the sumptuous repast, and Bernard gave her a glass of rich wine while he imbibed some whiskey before going to bed. Ethel got speedily into her bed for the last time at the dear old gaiety, and shed a few salt tears thinking of her past life, but she quickly cheered up and began to plan about how many children she would have. I hope I shall have a good lot, she thought to herself, and so saying she fell into repose. End of chapter. Chapter 11. The Wedding. The abbey was indeed thronged next day when Ethel and Bernard cantered up in a very fine carriage drawn by two prancing steeds who foamed a good deal. In the porch stood several clean altar boys who conducted the lucky pair up the aisle while the organ pealed a merry blast. The mighty edifice was packed and seated in the front row was the Earl of Clincham looking very brisk as he was going to give Ethel away at the correct moment. Beside him sat Mr. Saltina, all in black, and looking bitterly sad, and he ground his teeth as Ethel came marching up. There were some merry hymns, and as soon as Ethel and Bernard were one, the clergyman began a sermon about Adam and Eve and the serpent, and Mr. Saltina cried into his large handkerchief, and the earl kept on nudging him as his sniffs were rather loud. Then the wedding march pealed forth and down the church stepped Ethel and Bernard as husband and wife. Into the cab they got and speedily dashed off to the gaiety. The wedding refreshments were indeed a treat to all, and even Mr. Saltina cheered up when he beheld the wedding cake and sparkling wines. Then the Earl got up and made a very fine speech about marriage vows and bliss, and he quoted several good bits from the Bible which got a lot of applause. Bernard replied in good round terms. I thank your lordship for those kind remarks, he said in clear tones. I expect we shall be as happy as a lark, and I hope you will all be ditto some day. Hear, hear, muttered a stray lady in the crowd, and down sat Bernard while Ethel went up to change her wedding garment for a choice pink velvet dress with a golden girdle and a very chic toque. Bernard also put on a new suit of blue stripe and some silk socks and clean underclothing. Hurrah, hurrah, shouted the guests as the pair reappeared in the aforesaid get-ups. Then everyone got a bag of rice and sprinkled on the pair, and Mr. Saltina sadly threw a white tennis shoe at them, wiping his eyes all the while. Off drove the happy pair, and the guests finished up the food. The happy pair went to Egypt for their honeymoon, as they thought it would be a nice warm spot, and they had never seen the wondrous land. Ethel was a bit sick on the boat, but Bernard braved the storm in manly style. However, Ethel had recovered by the time they got to Egypt, and here we will leave them for a merry six weeks of bliss while we return to England. End of chapter. Chapter 12. How It Ended Mr. Saltina, by the aid of the Earl and the kindness of the Prince of Wales, managed to get the job his soul craved, and any day might be seen in Hyde Park or Piccadilly galloping madly after the royal carriage in a smart suit of green velvet with knickerbockers complete, 
At first he was rather terrified, as he was not used to riding, and he found his horse bumped him a good deal, and he had to cling on desperately to its flowing mane. At other times the horse would stop dead, and Mr. Saltina would use his spurs and bad language with no avail. But he soon got more used to his fresh and sultry steed, and his royal highness seemed satisfied. The earl continued his merry life at the compartments till finally he fell in love with one of the noble ladies who haunted them. She was not so pretty as Ethel, as she had a rather bulgy figure and brown eyes, but she had lovely raven tresses, a pointed nose, and a rose-like complexion of a dainty hue. She had very nice feet and plenty of money. Her name was called Lady Helena Herring, and her age was twenty-five, and she mated well with the earl. Mr. Saltina grew very lonely after the earl was married, and he could not bear a single life any more. So, failing Ethel, he married one of the maids-in-waiting at Buckingham Palace, by name Bessie Topp, a pleasant girl of eighteen, with a round red face and rather starry eyes. So now that all our friends are married, I will add a few words about their families. Ethel and Bernard returned from their honeymoon with a son and heir, a nice fat baby called Ignatius Bernard. They soon had six more children, four boys and three girls, and some of them were twins, which was very exciting. The Earl only got two rather sickly girls called Helen and Marie, because the last one looked slightly French. Mr. Saltina had a large family of ten, five of each but he grew very morose as the years rolled by, and his little cottage was very noisy, and his wife was a bit annoying at times, especially when he took to dreaming of Ethel and wishing he could have married her. Still, he was a pious man in his way, and found relief in prayer. Bernard Clark was the happiest of our friends, as he loved Ethel to the bitter end, and so did she him, and they had a nice house, too. The earl soon got tired of his sickly daughters, and his wife had a savage temper, so he thought he would divorce her and try again, but he gave up the idea after several attempts, and decided to offer it up as a mortification. So now, my dear readers, we will say farewell to the characters in this book. The End End of The Young Visitors, or Mr. Saltina's Plan, by Daisy Ashford age nine.